Without a doubt, springtime is here. The choir anthem referred to the beauty of the earth in springtime. We don't sing that song that much in uh, the middle of November. or the beginning of March around here, there's uh, a lot of mud and a lot of slush and cloudy days. It's beautiful, but we don't see it or celebrate it in the same way. With the season, there are new activities and new things that are happening. Uh, schools are coming to a, a climax. Uh, teachers and students are celebrating all that they've learned. And maybe, uh, maybe you and your households, or maybe even today, will be thinking about travel plans. Places you might go in, uh, in, in, the, in the summertime, in the month of June or July, or a time with more options. The text from John 14 brings to mind the travel plans of Jesus, and he kind of invites his disciples in the midst of their distress and their anxiety, in the midst of their uh, anticipatory grief and saying goodbye to Jesus, um, to invite them to think about their travel plans. The text maybe is very familiar to us. We turn to it often at times of loss and, and grief because it, uh, it gives, gives us a chance to answer, well, what, what, what happens now? What happens to our loved one whose earthly life has ended? Where is he or she? Uh, has he or she ceased to exist? And, and if not, then, then where? where? Where is he or she right now? In those opening verses in chapter 14, to tell something about the heart, the care, the nurture, the provision of God. Jesus says, believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes on to talk about in my father's house, in my father's dwelling place, where, where my father is. I have that kind of relationship with God that I can call him Father. Later on we hear him saying, don't you know me? My Father and I are one. We're that tight. There is a unity between us. If you know me, you know the Father. But as you believe in God and believe also in me, I want you to tell, about, tell you about my Father's dwelling place. There's a great song that talks about about the heaven as a big house, a really big house, with lots of room, big lawns where we can play football. It brings into our, our contemporary images, well, what kind of a house, what kind of a place is this? And Jesus wants his disciples to know that, that he goes ahead, not just to hang out, not just to be with his father, but to prepare a place for them mansions, a dwelling place, a specific chosen place. And so we start to, oh, those are echoes of First Peter that Mary read for us about being a chosen people, a holy race, God's own people. We're that kind of clan that has chosen us from the beginning of time to, to be with him to be chosen, to be, to be filled with God's Spirit and to belong to Him. 
and therefore grow in our faith and our belief, and also to be more and more certain about our own travel plans. Those first verses there in John 14 have everything that's, uh, that we think we would need to, uh, to plan a trip anywhere. Number one, you need to talk about a destination. Where is it that we're going to go? And then might talk about, well, who is going to be the travel agent, especially if it's a place you've never been before. Then you worry about accommodations. Where we be staying and what might be we be eating and uh, what would that look like? Would I be comfortable or not? And then how on earth do we get there? We need directions. And then finally we start imagining what kind of welcome party will greet us when we get there. Destination, a travel agent, accommodations, directions, welcome party. The destination is our heavenly home. The travel agent is Jesus himself. He's the one who's saying in this text pretty much, I'll take care of everything. He maybe is an icon for Travel X for Greg and Ursula Pearson as, as they are doing their travel agency work. If they would say, well, look to Jesus. Here he is a travel agent in this situation, laying out all those things for, uh, for his disciples in their destination of their home with the Lord. Maybe echoes of the end of Psalm 23 are going in their minds, or maybe Jesus' mind. Maybe between the lines he's saying, don't you remember? Don't you remember that song, or that psalm that surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life through this earthly travel pilgrimage, and I shall dwell, I shall dwell, I shall live in the house of the Lord how long am I going to stay there? Forever. Forever. Jesus is the embodiment of the, of the insight, the vision that David had in that, in that ancient psalm. It's lived out in the people of God and, and now it surfaces again in Jesus' instructions to his disciples. Accommodations are, uh, are visionary. Jesus doesn't get into a lot of details in this text right now. Other places in the Bible fill in some glimpses. Uh, Revelation has, uh, is replete with, uh, with images and, and kind of uh, uh, representations of, of glory and all the different ways that, uh, that we have tried to envision that and, and, and glimpse that transferring often our own ideas of, of resplendent wealth and, and great value uh, into the idea of heaven has been kind of interesting to talk about, and we've kind of hung our imaginations on those images. We seem to need that. But sometimes they're a barrier also. Sometimes our, our jokes or stories about St. Peter welcoming us at the gate and in uh, uh, letting someone enter or not. And, uh, and sometimes the, the images of the streets paved with gold, just imagine that heaven is where they use gold for paving stones. It's that plentiful or 
Or maybe values are turned upside down. Or maybe it's just beyond our imagining how that could ever be so. It gets in the way when we keep it literal like that. And we need to confess that we, that we do that and we need to also be stretched a little bit more. And maybe Thomas is the, is the leader in, um, in our literal selves and saying when he asks, uh, Lord, we do not know where you're going. We think you're talking a little crazy here. How can we know the way? Ah, directions. Directions. You're going to be leaving us pretty soon. You're kind of saying that. And um, how do we know the way? How can we follow where you're going? Gives the occasion for us to really be bounced out of that literal confining indication of, of what heaven might be. It did it for Thomas, we think. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. We're still trying to sort out what that means exactly, but at the core it means a relationship. The relationship with me, Jesus is saying, is your accommodation, it is your direction, it is your dwelling place, I am your welcome party. So that when this earthly life has, has run its course, when you have walked this pilgrim way as we just sang, that um, you will have that destination and I am the destination. I am the truth of where you are headed. I am the fulfillment of your, your faith and your belief. And I am not only your life now in this earth, in all the riches of relationship and teaching, all the refining of, uh, of your choices, all the necessary forgiveness that you receive and give throughout your life in me, in this earthly life, but I am also eternal life, everlasting life, that we will dwell together in perfect peace in a timeless universe, the way, the truth, and the life. Even these days, if you travel around this vicinity, you see them wrapped around trees, yellow ribbons, yellow ribbons. The younger people might not exactly know what they mean, and even my own children have asked, what are those yellow ribbons wrapped around that tree? Or look at, look at there's yellow ribbons around all the branches in, in that house and the trees there in the yard. What's that about, Dad? gives me an occasion to tell them that, oh, well, that's from a song. A song that came out of a, uh, a, a folk tale in the, in the Civil War. That there was a soldier, a Union soldier, who was uh, imprisoned in a POW camp in Georgia. And when the time came for his release, he, he wrote to his sweetheart, at home and said, I've done my time. I've done my time. I've, I've been a prisoner and I'm, I'm free to come home. But I know that quite a bit of time has passed. I know that, uh, that we have not been in contact and, and I, don't, I don't know how things are back home. 
but I'm going to make my way home. I'm going to work my way north, and I remember the way, and I'm going to ride, ride by your house. And, and if, there's, if there's nothing around your house, I'm going to keep going. That'll be a way I know that your life is continued. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have children. Maybe you don't live there anymore. Maybe you don't even receive this letter. But I'll, I'll know that I need to move on and get on with my life. And they thank you for all that we've had. And that's okay. The song that they sang, Tony Orlando and, and Dawn, made it most famous in 1973, and the soldier makes his way back to his, his hometown. It's kind of apprehensive, rounding the corners and over the hills, wondering what he might find. But he sees not one yellow ribbon. He said that in a letter, that if you want me to stop, if you want me to stay, that's still my home. Tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. He's thinking about that. Which will it be? As he gets closer, he sees not one ribbon tied around the old oak tree. Dozens, hundreds of yellow ribbons tied around the old oak tree. It is a welcome, a welcome that not just whispers, a welcome that says, I have been waiting for you. It's not just a welcome that says, Oh, sure, we'll find a place for you somewhere. It's not just a welcome that says, We need to talk. It's just a welcome that, well, let's see how you change and how I've changed, and, uh, and we'll go on from there. It is an opening welcome embrace that shouts, I have been waiting for you. I have prepared for this day. I've hoped and I prayed that we might be together again. Let the yellow ribbons shout that to you as you return from doing your time. That's really at the heart of what we think about and maybe the joy and even the raucous rendition of when we all get to heaven that we just sang, that we think about our heavenly home not so much as an exotic place and not as so much as something beyond our imagination, but something that we realize is home, that has our homecoming in mind, that has a sense of deep belonging that, that we can only taste here in this, in this earthly life, and a welcome that is beyond our imagination. It speaks, to, uh, it speaks to us as, as individuals. Gerhard Frost 
wrote a book entitled Homing in the Presence. And it was about life. It was about our earthly pilgrimage. It was about our traveling as we go through day to day and as, as we um, take up our responsibilities and our opportunities. As we live in relationship and uh, harm and forgive one another, as we try to sort out the, the kind of news that we live with in our world and, and try to uh, reconcile with uh, being in the world but not of the world, all those things that, that Paul wrestled with. As we deal with our inner and outer urges and sort out our desires and as we think about what is the significance to which God has called me to be and do in our own lives, Gerhard Frost suggested, are we not homing in the presence? He referred to the geese, to birds, to migrating birds, to, to pigeons who, uh, who maybe for sport would be brought far away from their nest and their, and their squabs and and then released, and they would home, they would fly back to where they were. Are we not like that? Aren't we homing in the presence? And the presence is the, is the presence of God most clearly revealed in the person of Jesus. And not just, uh, just in his example of his earthly life, but in his risen presence. It wants to... Uh, Wake us up, it wants to illuminate, it wants to energize, it wants to direct us, this risen Jesus, so that there develops in us a, a compass-like instinct about where are we and where, where are we going and, uh, and, and how on earth can I find my way? That's why we gather for worship again and again. That's why we join together in, in mission and fellowship. That's why we study. That's why we pray together to keep our compass bearings true. To realize that Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life is where we are homing and he guides us as the compass itself to our heavenly rest. When we were homing in the presence, it maybe it speaks not only to, uh, to us individually and gives us a solution and gives us an image, but, but maybe as, as a church, we're invited to think about how are we homing in the presence? How is it that, uh, that we keep fresh and alive this, this indication of Jesus, not only what he has prepared for his disciples and all who believe in God and believe also in him, but also to, uh, to keep the, the heart of it, the tenderness of it, the nurture of it, the mother-like qualities of it as we live our life together. It makes us easier to be well-fed. To be well fed in the nurture of the Word of God and in the in the in all the things that we we pour into our minds and, and shape our words and our responses. It helps us to be open to the grace of God as we become people forgiven. 
not only for those sins which we have committed, but also those things which we have omitted, and sometimes those weigh heavier in our and our and our guilt and our our sense of uselessness and the things that we commit. We're not always aware of those things. But what should I have done? What could I have done? I just can't do enough. The grace of God comes and reconciles, forgives, and then most of all enables us to be forgiving. We have the inner resources in ourselves to forgive. Homing in our presence as a, as a congregation, as a body, helps us to be nurturing of each other, to be encouragers, to be full of hope, to, uh, to let sarcasm fade away, but yet be quick to laugh and be, and be quick to lighten up when it comes to those things that divide us. And most of all, to be understanding and, and turn each other toward the way, the truth, and the life. As we are homing in the presence, we, we are able to see and check in and remind each other, where are we headed? Are we there yet? Now we are headed to the dwelling place that Jesus has prepared. He is our destination. It invites us to have that mind in us. Jesus poured out his mind into the disciples, especially in, in these chapters of John, and, and this is a text that, that answers some of their questions and gives them far more information than they could ever absorb. But it was toward the goal of investing them with what he knew and assuring them of his presence as time would go on. We've got that kind of a hymn coming up right now, 366. May the mind of Christ my Savior. It's not a long tune, but there are several different stanzas that expand this reality as we ourselves are headed to this different kind of home that the risen Christ has prepared for us. Let's stand and sing 366. Mm -hmm. 